Hello, my name is Leanne Huddleston. I'm the programming manager at the Barrick Museum of Art. And I'm Deanne, or DK Sol, and I work in communications at the Marjorie Barrick Museum of Art. Thank you all for joining us today. We're here to talk about the Notes for Tomorrow exhibition on view at the Barrick Museum of Art until January 28, 2023. This exhibition was conceived in 2020 by the New York-based curatorial organization Independent Curators International, or ICI. The exhibition, which features artwork selected by 30 curators based in 25 countries around the world, reflects on a new global reality ushered in by the COVID-19 pandemic. In this cultural moment of transition, each work is a source of inspiration from the recent past and a guiding perspective for the future. We are joined today by artist Christina K. Robinson and writer Erica Vital-Lazar. Would you two like to say hello and tell us a bit about yourself before we get started today? Hi. Sure, sure, Christina. Um, yeah. Christina, Hi, everybody. You... I'm back, sorry. Um, it's really nice to talk to you all. Um, thanks for having me. And it's nice to talk to Erica again. Um, I am a writer and an artist based in from New Orleans, Louisiana. And I'm really excited to be able to talk to you all today. Yes. And I'm Erica, Erica Vital Lazar. Christina, I wish I could be there with you because I feel like I've gotten to know you and just cherish the conversations that we've had. And we have so much in common as writers, poets, thinkers about black space. I'm a professor of creative writing at CSN here in Las Vegas. You're all the way out in New Orleans, a dream space for me, and I'm coming. So get that yeah, extra room looking ready. Forward to it. Yeah, looking forward to it. I think there will be so much, I don't know, just so much more even more to discuss in person and in this landscape and that's one thing i've appreciated about our our conversations because i've thought about the different landscapes you know the swamp and the desert and the, and the connectivity even though so different uh you know physically topographically but this like idea in black space the way they i don't know there's a relationship there between the swamp and the desert that I've appreciated thinking about when we talked. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Um, Christina, your work is part of uh, Notes for Tomorrow, and um, Erica, as she said, is, is located here in Las Vegas. You're very far apart. Um, could you talk a little bit about how the two of you encountered one another? How did you meet? Um, so we met at uh, the suggestion um, from the Marjorie Barrett, like, you know, this would be a good person for you to talk to and possibly collaborate. Um, and it just worked out really, really well. And I was just so appreciative of the connection across distance um, that I felt both personally and in our own work. And I thought that that even is, I don't know, that's such a story of, like, black space and the black experience or, you know, the diasporic experience in general, just uh, maintaining and developing uh, connections across distances and what are the things that, you know, create a bridge across, you know, time and space, which is a 
seen in my work as well too, like these like connecting threads and what they are. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's definitely clear when I, I see and I hear your work in Notes for Tomorrow, that idea of time and space and connection and history and the future um, permeates it so much. It's so strong. Um, could could you talk about what black space and Erica as well? What does that mean to you? Uh, how is it important that you two connected over that? You know, that is such um that question has layers to it and it takes me back, I think, to what thinkers such as Dion Brand and Paul Gilroy really takes us back to that black Atlantic experience that that formative and very horrific experience of crossing waters being dispersed I think born out of it is a need to coalesce, reform, um, reconstitute, you know, that central core of us, which, you know, is sort of finds its beginnings on the continent, but I think is born of that water. And I think that's a passage that we recross in real time every day with every breath. And when we have another person another sister, another brother, another two-spirited being with blackness at their core, we have to cross over to each other and with each other and alongside each other. That connection, when it's true, is so very real, and I feel that with Christina Kay. So, yeah, this has been and will be one of the great, I know, artistic and personal relationships that I will develop in the course of the next and the coming future. Yes, I agree. You know, black spaces is so interesting, like Erica was saying, it's very layered, you know, it's of this world and of the world before us and the world after us. Um, I think a lot about um, how relationship to space, you know, and what relationship to blackness changes over the course of time, changes based on where it's rooted. Um, similarly to what Eric is saying, thinking about this genesis on the continent and then this sort of uh, transformative experience of crossing the water and that uh, relationship and tension um, that is both, um, there's a, a sublimity to it. There's a, like a pleasure and a terror in the greatness of the story, you know, of yourself. And I just think that that, I don't know, it's just something that I think about a lot, um, particularly being uh, living where I live. It's a place that um, many people or most of the people here have been here multiple, multiple generations. So they have relationships here that, um, existed on the continent as well and that is something I sort of explore a little bit a little bit in my work with my character as well you know that there are familial and uh, friendship connections in this uh, part of the country that sometimes predate people's arrival here just kind of based on the practices of the French 
taking people from the same place over and over and over again because, you know, the European powers are fighting for this territory where they're taking people so you can, you know, so the French only had access to where they had access to. And so it's just so interesting um, just thinking about, you know, sort of the, the, the complexity of people's relationships on both sides of the water and could you talk about the way you manifest that in your work um because i i can hear or, or sense some of that when i when i again when i do encounter your work and when i listen to um the work that you've made with erica this year um what what do you what do you do with your materials to try and get across to everybody who doesn't share that that idea of um, character and past and future and genesis and so on? Um, on the visual level, I've sort of, since the project uh, Republica Temple of Color and Sound, it's guided by a protagonist of a sort, you know, thinking about it as a visual sound medium uh, or using a visual and sound medium to sort of tell um, a story that would maybe typically happen within a novel or within sort of an epic poem. The character, Mariam Decapita, she began as a persona in my poetry um, before she had like a, a living animated version. But I tried to connote it visually with different representations aesthetically of the characters. So she traverses time. You know, I've presented... Um, this character uh, with an aesthetic appearance that's more rooted in the past. Um, you know, she appears in the present day in the contemporary as sort of uh, a very different but same character in the sense that in the 1800s, she may have been a participant in a rebellion in the 2000s. She's a musician. Um, she may have been a musician in the 1800s, you know, mm -hmm. um, but there are different uh, avenues and ways that that same impetus in a person would play out in different periods in time. So I try to take this sort of uh, everyman almost approach to her just from um, a very particular lens which is the story of a, a woman from the mouth of the Mississippi River who grew up in, in a legacy of freedom, mm -hmm. which in some ways mirrors some people's contemporary story in Louisiana as well in terms of us having high populations of free people at different periods of time. Mm -hmm. To try to like bend reality I use a lot of anachronism um, to show sort of the continuity between people. Um, I used to teach, and when I taught, I taught ancient literature, and I always would try to, like, talk to the people I was teaching about, like, sort of people being at their core the same, mm -hmm. you know, as a mm -hmm. hump to get over, oh, this is old. How will I relate to it? Um, so just showing that the same energy and this woman has been present since ancient times, you know, through different uh, iterations of what blackness meant in the world. Mm -hmm. 
And and Erica, how does this connect to what you do? Um, because you're also obviously extremely uh, connected to literature, writing it, teaching it, reading it. Well, I, I think for me, even as you know, my education, as much of our education is made up of a Western canon, uh, dominated by white male figures who, you know, kind of gave us our early parameters of what the world is and what it should be. And so there's always this mix as a professor of what must be attended to in that foundation in order to create students who can navigate that space that is dominated by a white male westernized vision. However, at my core, I am undeniably a black being, a black woman in particular, and so um, my sensibility has always been shaped by that experience and very much by what Christina was, um, what she explores with Miriam de Capita is like that folding over of identities and space and Western knowledge with root knowledge and ideas of futurism and ideas of presentism and what it means to live in the world but not be of the world, be of several worlds mm-hmm. at once. So yeah. I think that's like where we intersect, Christina and I, and mm-hmm. very much time travelers. Like, who are we today that we would have been in 1619, mm-hmm. one of the first 20 rocking across those waters? Who will we be, you know, in 2050 and in 2150? Like, the core of us will always be rooted in in our, our black selves. That Atlantic passage, I think, will still reside in us when we are among the stars, as Butler, you know, foresees us um, taking root there, returning there. And I think Christine and I both see a return there. So just as though we're in that geographic extreme, of desert and swampland, I think, you know, that similarity, that core is there. And I think Christina and I both see a similarity in the water and in space, that those are Mm -hmm. also, you know, rooted in us. They're at the core of black being, those two geographies, topographies, possibilities. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And and how did you... Um, bring your two worlds together? How did you um, start to collaborate on what you created? Um, you how know, we had... How did we put the... the well, I was thinking about the the conversations that we had and, you know, we exchanged a lot and then gave each other the space to write. Um, and then shared that writing together. And it was just very interesting how when I first read Erica's piece, how I sort of immediately heard a sound in it, you know. Um, And it was just very, I don't know, it was like a bass. It was like just a deep bass, and it was just very, you know, it helped me think about uh, how to answer 
that call, you know, that she had put out to me in her poetry. And I thought it was just amazing. It was very inspiring. Lovely. Uh, Mm. mm, Sorry. No, go ahead. No, I I was, I mean, please go. I, I was just going to ask if the original, those things that you were originally writing to each other um, had, if if any of that showed up in the the end result sound file. I mean, it won't be the end result, end result, because I know you're going to keep working together. Um, but the, the sound files that you sent to us um, in late August, I think mid-August mm-hmm. um, because I, I know your collaboration mainly through listening to those so Erica if you want to talk about whatever you were about to talk about please do but that was going to be my question no I just I, I think it's so lovely the way that Christina um, kind of phrased answering and I think it was very much a call and response which is a deeply rooted black church tradition and before that very african tradition of answer and call and i think we both provided that for one another and the way that we open up i think an invitation comes from us both from the first line inviting one another inviting the ancestors inviting you know those within within hearing into this space we're weaving together and the space that we are imagining together. Um, Christina's music, I think the sound is an opening up. And Christina, you're in a space in New Orleans where that invitation is everywhere. The call of the drums is always an invitation showing you the pathway, the door to move between worlds. And that's what I feel in the soundscape that you created. Oh, I appreciate that. You know, it's so interesting, like, you know, music is such a, uh, like, just endemic part of culture and then just the daily landscape. Um, and there's, you know, such this, like, tradition of practice, of being good <laughs> at it, that it's really interesting because to an extent, you know, it's taken me a while to really, really uh, open up that part of my practice. It's obviously something I've practiced, um, but it's just interesting because it is such a part of the environment. You know, there's a a high standard, you know, Um, so to an extent it can make you a little bit hesitant sometimes. And so this was really great uh, because it was such an invitation to open it up and go further with it um, and think about how you contribute to uh, the tradition that you're a part of, you know, especially mm-hmm. if maybe you're working uh, in a different medium in a sense. Mm. Uh, like not using necessarily to the traditional uh, structure of the music, but you, I think you can hear it in it. Um, so it was just such an opportunity to sort of explore that part of oneself and really commune with that part 
and, you know, just give yourself permission and, and know that you do know what you know at this point from having studied and practiced. And so I just really appreciated yeah, the opportunity to explore. Because, yeah, it is such a part of our uh, landscape that, to an extent, you know, you could be a little bit intimidated to offer your, you know, contribution to the culture here. So it's, you know, it's a coming of age in a sense a lot of times in New Orleans, like at the point that you just, you know, that you decide I'm ready to join or, you know, join as an adult member of a tradition is uh, kind of rite of passage in some senses. And so it was just really, uh, Erica's poem is so, the opening is so cinematic that, which is just the beauty of poetry is images. It's like, I, you know, I could see it and because I could see it, I could hear it. And that was really, oh. really great experience. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's that's fascinating that you're thinking of those two things together because yeah the the piece again I keep going back to notes for tomorrow but the piece uh, in notes for tomorrow is so very much um, moving image and also sound and anybody looking at it does experience those two things together um, mm-hmm. that it's it's fascinating to hear that the the artist sort of herself had that encounter with it, it was was those two mm-hmm. things happening at the same time rather than yeah. you know creating them in isolation and then sort of you know trying to find a place where they both kind of have met um how how do you go about creating your music because uh, it's a very particular kind and it creates to me anyway a very particular kind of mental space when i listen to it um, so the the image definitely, so I think a lot about, uh, like, I do a lot of walking. I don't drive, I walk. And I do a lot of thinking while I walk. And so much of, like, sort of the diasporic experience, the Black Atlantic experience is just about, uh, that one foot in front of the other, the the keeping going and what people did to keep going. My, you know, just the relationship from between lots of practices, mantras, chanting, the rosary, all of these things that make you repeat things. Um, so I'm really fascinated by repetition. Um, even in uh, Islam, you know, there the prayers that you say, uh, in, you know, repetition. Mm-hmm. So I'm really uh, fascinated by repetition in general and the rhythm that it creates. Um, and so I feel or hear a tone and kind of like repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat until I feel what that takes me to next. And so it's supposed to be about a, almost a, a, a trance or like a, a a more lucid trance state. Hmm. And so how you can have a place in your mind that is steady and is stable so that the things that happen around you don't compromise that. Hmm. And I had a, a teacher at one time who used to talk about like, it was kind of a joke, but not a joke. He would just say, you know, wherever you go, you have to have the cane fields with you. 
is in Louisiana, like the cane fields is both the place where people were made to labor, but it's also the place where they plotted on freedom. Mm-hmm. And so if you always have that place with you, um, you know, you can respond to many different stimuli, you know? So in terms of the music making, it was thinking about like, well, what does it mean to be in a, a productive trance? Mm. You know, a trance that allows me to live and experience the whole 360 of humanity, even while I'm in a situation that sort of negates my humanity. Yeah. Because you have to create another dimension, you know, another place where you exist outside of, you know, like Erica said, in the world, but not of it. Um, And so that's sort of my creative process around music like wanting to explore repetition and what repetition can induce that's that's fascinating sorry I apologize if I interrupted um the the fact that you mention Islam makes me think of a koal or something like that which is Mm -hmm. not something I'd associated with your music before but now that you kind of articulate it I think yeah that idea of sort of circling and swirling and yes. and returning and adjusting and doing something else and returning and adjusting and adjusting and adjusting. I can I can um that's that's very enlightening, thank you. So we are approaching the end of our little session. Um and I, I wondered if there was any closing thoughts that you kind of wanted to leave the listeners um before we close out. Um, the the session, Christina or Erica, um, is there anything you want to say before we kind of head out? In about five minutes, I think. Yeah. yeah. No, I just uh, wanted to say that the work of liberation, I think, is work that can be found in these collaborations, and it it has always been collaborative work how we liberate ourselves and one another. And it's so important for all of us in all our forms of humanity. And as black women, black friends, I think we've often been tasked with doing such work for other bodies. And I think, Christina, mm-hmm. I just want to say it's just so, so very, very clear that your work is, yes, human work right and at its center it is also very much the work of freeing black women black sins you know black bodies that comes through for sure yeah for sure for sure no i'm just really uh appreciative of being able to you know develop this project and this conversation and appreciative of you all, um, you know, wanting to explore the thematics. Um, I'm happy y'all got it, <laughs> you know, like, you know, you there's so much, you like, hmm, does this make any sense? And so I'm just happy when it, you know, it reaches people, you know, and they find themselves and their place within the story. You know, you find the sound that you gravitate toward in the composition, you know, so I'm just really pleased that, you know, how this is developed and look forward to it. Um, I think we 
just before we do wrap up, I, I do have a question, Christina. How, you, how, how do you imagine your, in, your ideal audience receiving what you make? Like, what would, what would be the perfect response um, to one of your pieces? Um, I think it's because it, 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 it incorporates sound, text, and the visuals. Um, I think the perfect reception is, you know, the the viewer that gravitates to the part that appeals to them the most. You know, some people are more visual, some people are sound, to the text. Um, but just engaging the possibility of Marianne's existence is really important to me. So the idea of this sort of, you know, a different kind of uh, heroine figure, um, someone from a small place, a place you're not always so familiar with, um, and accepting that that person has things to offer, hmm. you know, and then that, that reciprocal uh, process happens, you know, where there's the, off, there's the exchange you know, rather than uh, the one-sided, you know, consumerist relationship that's set up sort of like the Western consumption of art. So I love when it feels like an exchange. That's like the ideal for me. Perfect. Well, I... I want to close and I want to thank you. Thank you so, so much to you both to spending the time with us to tell us about your collaboration and about your work. Um, it's, it's been wonderful to listen to and it's been a, such a great opportunity to have you both talk about it. But as a reminder to those listening, uh, notes for tomorrow where you can view Christina's piece will be on view until January 28th of 2023 at the Marjorie Barrick Museum of Art in our East Gallery. And hopefully keep an eye out for any updates on when we can see the collaborative piece between Christina and Erica, hopefully very soon. Well, thank you all. Um, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, and we'll talk to you later. Okay, thank you all. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.